Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan and I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 76 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we're telling one of the most famous stories from Irish early literature or early learning literature children's literature i was trying to find a more roundabout way of saying than that which is oscar wilde's classic the selfish giant but before we get down to that i hope you are all well you are all still safe and sane wherever you are we are coming to you from our home studio i always speak in the third person i'm coming to you from my home studio in wicklow i say home studio it's my ipod with a recorder and a microphone, and very I am happy I am with it, with my little setup, until we can return to the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network Studios. And there is very exciting news coming from Head, the Headstuff Podcast Network very soon, which I'm very excited to share with you in the next couple of weeks. If you are a first-time listener to this podcast, welcome along. Good one to start with. If you enjoy this, why don't you go right back to the very beginning, to episode one, all those episodes ago, and see what we've been building up over the last year and a half or so. And if you're a returning listener, thank you so, so much for your continued support. Please do continue to like, subscribe, leave ratings and comments wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard. It is the best way to contact me. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast, where you can join our now growing loyal community of very kind benefactors. I want to give a special shout out to Jared O'Sullivan, who is our new patron for this week. He's joining Libby Frizz and Sayla as our most recent patrons from the last month. Thank you so much for joining uh, the Patreon. Uh, I now at this difficult time at this uncertain time as the world is slowly getting back to normal here in ireland we've just started phase two of the easing of the lockdown restrictions where a lot of businesses can start to get back to normal but it will be a long slow uphill climb for many businesses but particularly for the arts so your support on the patreon has never been more appreciated but As I always say, the Patreon is there as an egalitarian model, a model of soundness for those who want to support it. If not, I am more than happy to keep on releasing this podcast every week for how much I enjoy doing it myself and how much I enjoy 
your feedback and seeing how well you respond to this podcast. That's what makes it all worthwhile at the end of the day. Um, yes, and if you want to contact me and you are not on Instagram, uh, the best way to do so is by email at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. The story for today, we continue our Oscar Wilde cycle. Um, this is the story that's probably the next famous, or to some it might be even more famous than The Happy Prince, which we started these these stories with, even though The Happy Prince is the name of the book that these stories are found in. It's The Happy Prince and Other Tales. But if after The Happy Prince, it's definitely The Selfish Giant that people would probably know the best, and with very good reason. I think this actually might be my favourite of the Oscar Wilde tales, and you'll soon see why. This Adapting this story, it just quite flowed quite nicely. The The characters were just so well-formed, and there was just such lovely set pieces that when I adapt these stories, I say this a good bit, that I... I try and read reread the story as little times as possible. So I'll read it once and then I'll just try and adapt it. I'll just try and write my version of it. And only if I'm stuck, if I really if there was a particular detail I wanted to go back and remember, or if I can't remember what happened next at all, only then will I go back and look at one of the versions of the text I'm going on. But with this this kind of story, that really wasn't necessary at all. Once I read it once, I'd read it a good few times in the past, of course, but once I read it once before sitting down to write it, I really only had to glance at it once or twice more, only for little details. The the structure and the, the acts of the story just really stand out, and they're wonderful. But we'll talk a bit more about that afterwards, and I'll get right down to the story now. This is the tale of the selfish giant on Fireside. The Selfish Giant There was once a garden where the local children of the town would play. It was full of lush green grass to roll and tumble upon, tall trees to climb, and bushes, nooks and crannies for the most epic games of hide-and-seek. There was also a castle in the centre of the garden. Rumours were abound that in the castle lived a giant, but he had not been seen in many years. The children loved the idea of a monstrous ogre living in the empty castle, but like the games they played every day in their hearts, they did not believe the giant really existed. But after the longest and most wonderful summer spent playing every day in the garden, the days grew darker and colder until it seemed autumn had been skipped entirely, and then the town was in the clutches of winter. A bed of crunchy, undisturbed, brilliant white snow blanketed the garden. The children could not wait to disturb this snow with the creation of snow folk, snow angels, and descend into the open warfare of snowball fights. But when the children arrived in the garden after school, they discovered great big footprints through the garden leading to the castle door. The giant was real, and he had returned home. The giant in question had been staying with a Cornish ogre friend of his. They hadn't had a whole lot to talk about, so the visit had only taken seven years. 
all of the children were either too young or hadn't been born at all when the giant had last taken up residence in the castle. It's incredible how quickly something real can fade into folklore. The giant was horrified to discover that his beloved garden was being used as a playground for children. When he saw the young folk enter his garden that day, the giant rushed outside and roared at the top of his lungs, Get out! Get out and never come back! The children let out a collective shriek that would freeze the blood and all ran home, never to return to their cherished garden again. To ensure this, brick by brick, the giant built a high stone wall all around the garden. Finishing the job, he built big black gates and adorned them with a sign which read in block capital letters, Trespassers will be prosecuted. He was a very, very selfish giant. Without the garden, the poor children had nowhere to play with each other. The roads were either too hard, too gravelly, too dusty, or just too dangerous to play on. After school, the children would pass the high walls around the garden and sigh about how happy they had been on the other side of that wall. Winter eventually passed by, and spring blossomed all over the town. Everywhere, that is, except in the garden of the selfish giant. Winter still thrived in there. The birds that sang to usher in spring had felt so sorry for the children that they had refused to sing in the garden of the selfish giant. Without the song of the birds, the flowers forgot to bloom. The trees remained cold and bare. The only ones who were happy about this were the snow and the frost. Spring has usually melted us away, but spring has abandoned this garden. We shall live here all year. We must invite the north wind and the hail over for supper. And they did just that. While spring and summer thrived all over the town, the selfish giant's garden was engulfed in the dance of frost, snow, wind and hail. Isolated in his home, the selfish giant would look out his window with worry. Spring is very late this year, he said to himself. I hope it comes soon. But neither spring, summer nor autumn ever came and the giant's garden experienced a full year of winter. One morning, the giant awoke and heard something he had not heard in so long he did not even recognize it. Song. Something, or someone, was singing. Hastily, the giant threw on his clothes and rushed outside to find the source of the music. Outside, he saw a song was coming from a tiny linnet bird. But the selfish giant burst into tears with the release of hearing music once again. Once he dried his tears, the selfish giant saw the most incredible sight. Through a crack in his fortified wall, some children had snuck back into the garden and were climbing the trees. And the moment the children returned, spring enveloped the garden. With each tree climbed, a tapestry of colour blossomed. The giant began to cry again. Spring had come at last. 
There was only one spot in the garden where winter still dominated, and that was in the far corner where stood a solitary little boy. The boy was too small to climb the trees, but the trees were so desperate to feel the joy of spring that one bent down as far as he could and said, Reach, boy! Climb up! But the boy was too small and too weak, and so began to cry, with a single patch of wind and winter all around him. The selfish giant saw this, and finally realized the error of his ways. How selfish I have been. A right selfish giant. The selfish giant was determined to help the boy climb the tree. But when he ran out into the garden, all the children shrieked in horror and fled. Once the children left, winter instantly gripped the garden once more. Only the little boy did not run. His eyes were so full of tears he didn't even see the giant. The selfish giant picked up the boy and set him in the highest branch of the tallest tree. This brought so much joy to the little boy that he threw his arms around the giant and kissed him on the cheek. No one had ever hugged the selfish giant before. He had shaken hands and been clapped on the back and had thrown and received a lot of punches, but a warm embrace? Never. Once the other children saw the boy hug the selfish giant, they realized he had changed his ways and returned to the garden, and once the children returned, so too did the spring. This garden is now all of yours, the giant told the children, before he took a great big axe and knocked down the wall he had built to keep them all out. Then the giant spent the rest of the day playing with the children. When it was time for the children to go home, the formerly selfish giant asked, Where is that little boy? None of the children knew the boy or where he lived. The giant was sure he would return again. Every day the children returned to the garden, and every day they played with the giant. But the little boy, the first one to show kindness to the selfish giant, he was never seen again. The giant was very sad, for he would never forget that first display of warmth and affection. Years later, the garden was once again in the embrace of winter, but this time the giant welcomed the season, for the children still played in the garden and he knew that spring would return. The giant was now old, and he could not play with the children as he once could, but as he sat in his armchair, the giant looked out into the perfect, undisturbed, brilliant white of his garden, and he saw in the corner one single tree covered in white blossoms. The giant had to get a better look at this perfect sight. His bones ached, but he climbed from his chair and walked outside. At the foot of the tree stood the little boy who had been unable to climb it all those years ago. Despite the passing years, the boy appeared the exact same age. The giant began to weep when he saw his dearly missed friend, and he bent down to hug the child. The little boy spoke. You once let me play in your garden. Now you shall walk in mine, and my garden is known as paradise. When school finished, and children returned to the garden, there, beneath the white blossom tree, lay the dead body 
of the formerly selfish giant. The end. Today's episode is sponsored by a brand new podcast. What Do You Want to Know takes your curiosity as its inspiration. Every episode features an expert answering questions posted by you, the listener, about specific topics. They'll talk about everything from how sign language works to whether viruses are alive to what a 5G network really is. You, the listener, can also suggest topics for future episodes so you could finally get the answers to what you want to know. Episode 1 is out right now, which explains everything you may have wanted to know about sign language. It is out wherever you get your podcasts. Go and check it out. That is What Do You Want to Know? And that was the story of the selfish giant on Fireside. I hope you all enjoyed it. Another, yes, another very melancholy tale there from Oscar Wilde. I have to give my usual disclaimer and say that this was my, again, this was my adaptation of this story. If you want the real thing, I could never, ever write a more perfect version of this story than by the master Oscar Wilde himself. And I adore his version so much. But again, it just felt like more of the right decision with the way this podcast has gone and with the format of this podcast for me to tell my own versions of these stories, to treat them as I have treated the folklore and mythology, because these stories of Oscar Wilde's, they, they have almost become folklore themselves. I'd say a lot of people wouldn't realize that he that these are original tales. And again, it's because both of his parents were folklorists, folklorists Sir William Wilde, his doctor father and his uh, mother, uh, Speranza, who's a writer, and they were both keen folklorists, particularly his mother. And so he really had that grounding and yeah, I read a wonderful passage in the complete works of Oscar Wilde that I have here that said his grounding as a storyteller, the fact that Wilde began with this kind of upbringing and that he cut his teeth writing shorter fiction and fiction for children could have been one of the reasons why he worked in so many mediums working in working in theatre and in de- and in fiction and in uh, poetry because he was first and foremost a storyteller and he branched out from there and I, of course, absolutely adore that idea. That introduction in that book also said, which I think I mentioned last week, that uh, Oscar Wilde was seen reading a story to a group of children and I think he read The Nightingale and the Rose and the onlooker said, oh, thank God he didn't read The Happy Prince, you know, because that one's too sad. But it was said that apparently it was the selfish giant that would make Oscar Wilde cry to read. This was the one that really got to him. And I'd be inclined to see why. Again, uh, a recurring theme in Oscar Wilde's shorter fiction in and in his work at large is selfishness, as as the title would suggest. But it is very prominent in The Happy Prince and The Nightingale and the Rose as well of our vanity and our self-obsession overcoming our desires to be happy, which obviously immensely echoes the life of Oscar Wilde or the life that he ended up leading um, in terms of... Um, it, this, is quite, this is shown in the Oscar Wilde film... Um, that Stephen Fry starred in um, 
where there's a scene of him reading this story to his children and it's kind of sad that uh, he spends less and less time with his with his kids as he kind of becomes more and more into the the high society of London life and um with his various other partners as well and it's very interesting that this was and you'll see this in the other two stories by Wilde as well that this is basically what they're all about there's this um ongoing theme of self-obsession and selfishness which Wilde is incredibly incredibly passionate about and it's what I make think makes these such strong stories the ending of it I couldn't quite I couldn't quite totally disassociate from it but the ending of this story the child is obviously you know we're led to believe that he is this kind of angelic figure that is going to now take the selfish giant to an afterlife in the actual story he displays stigmata in the actual story he has um nails he has blood dripping from his hands and his feet and the selfish giant goes like what who who hurt you you know who hurt you i'll kill whoever hurt you and i really liked that side of it but the presence the sudden presence of a christ child in my adaptation of this just seemed too too jarring and it made it too much it made it it makes it too biblical straight away because you know the you strive a fine line with some of these stories um especially the ones that are you know moral or allegorical or anything that they just can seem like stories that would belong in the bible even though this story is about a giant well i suppose dave goliath was a giant that is another thing let's talk about the fact that he's a giant there's a thing our our very cynical contemporary natures or certainly mine did a thing with me here where I think the reason this the only reason this story still works at all is because he is a giant because he is another species I think we are very trained to now to not trust the idea of adults in the presence of children who are not their own so there is you know there is this child kissing the giant and the giant playing with all the children and there's something that stirs in us i feel when we when we read that now and i wasn't going to do a kind of side eye to it because these stories deserve the sincerity that they were written with you know especially from such an acerbic a, a writer so acclaimed for his wit and for his humor these stories are quite down the line you know there is some humor to them I really like the idea of, of how much Wilde personifies everything so that he personifies the frost and the wind and this and oh we must invite we must invite the hail over him. That's that's really that's that's from the story as well. Um But yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I'd be interested to see if anyone else has a feel of that. I feel like if it was just a story of, you know, a grumpy old man who lived in the thing maybe it wouldn't have been okay and maybe that is why it's maybe that is why it is a um why it is a giant maybe even in wild's time possibly that maybe even probably 
that that still wouldn't have been considered appropriate. It made me think, oh, does this story still work? I, will this seem silly or stupid or, you know, sinister? You know, it, it, it does it feel sinister? And I really don't think so. And I certainly hope not. Um, but it was an aspect of it I found interesting in the adaptation because I wanted to keep quite to it. Um, because it's fine in The Happy Prince, you know, you have that there is actually a love affair, basically, between the swallow and the statue of the prince, and he asks him to kiss him on the lips, and they tell each other they love each other, and we're kind of still totally fine with that, because it's a bird and a statue, um, but when it's an adult and children, it's different, different kettle of fish, but I still really, really like this story, I think it's a really, really strong tale, and I even think like I'm fine with the idea of it being an angel or you know a spirit come to take the giant. He was there to help the giant mend his ways in the first place as the first you know he's the child that's there so that he, the giant can help him out. But then he's at the end to take him to heaven or to immortality or to somewhere else. But yeah, it couldn't quite go couldn't quite go with the stigmata myself. <laughs> But again, Reed uh, works in the context of the wild tale. I absolutely think in the context of a late Victorian era tale, because yeah, Wilde's religious nature really, really comes across in these in these children's stories, particularly in the uh, the Happy Prince as well. At the end of the Happy Prince, there's a scene with God asking for the two most beautiful things in the world and the angels bring him the heart of the happy prince and the dead body of the swallow. And I just left it as said, and, you know, when the two most beautiful things were asked for, I didn't kind of make it a, a God thing, but they very much are. And, but, you know, if you want to see more about those, absolutely read these tales. You should read these tales anyway. They're really, really great not just to have to read to young people or for young people to read themselves. I think these are stories that really keep on keep on giving because they're so, so well written. He's such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful writer. So I'm going to wrap things up there. I hope you enjoyed the story today of the Selfish Giant. Um, next week we will have another Wicklow folktale. Next week and we'll just slowly, we're just all getting back to it now. It's really nice. It's still crazy out there. There's a lot upsetting things happening in the news every day and we're all trying to figure out what to do with that but I think it's I think things are changing I think things are getting better and that can only be a good thing so yes um, thank you so much to Jamie my producer for continuing to edit this podcast thanks for Alan and Paddy at Headstuff thank you so much to all of you for listening and um, please do follow me on Instagram at firesidebard or email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com Support the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.